This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are uh, certainly looking forward to 2020, but we are closing out this decade, this uh, year, and, and the uh, first really 20 years uh, of this first decade. And I thought from, from the 2010 to 2019 uh, era, we had some, uh, some, some pretty good things happen, some pretty good advancements medicine-wise, uh, some, some really incredible things. I thought, you know what would be fun is just to take 30 to 60 seconds to do a little survey of the last decade before we dive into our text today. Uh, just because sometimes you can forget what happens. Uh, in 2010, uh, we uh, saw, uh, we were given Instagram. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, uh, but we were given Instagram in 2010. Uh, Uber came out in 2010, uh, as well as the iPad. Uh, and so that was, that was uh, eventful thing. Those were eventful things from 2010. And then in 2011, a lot of people don't know this, uh, for the first time there was 7 billion people on this planet. And in 2011, and uh, we actually, uh, one of, well, there was one less person. Uh, we were all thankful for this. Uh, this happened in 2011. Uh, Osama bin Laden uh, was killed. And so uh, that was uh, a victory for the U.S. And then in 2012, President Obama uh, was reelected. And, uh, and then there were six million refugees in Syria. Uh, six million refugees leaving Syria, and that was the largest uh, refugee uh, displacement in the last 50 years since World War I and World War II. Then in 2013, we saw the largest meteor ever caught on camera uh, hit Russia. How many of you are thankful it hit Russia and not here? Okay, so I don't think anyone was, was uh, injured in that, uh, but a uh, huge meteor uh, hitting Earth. And then, uh, how many of you remember in 2014, the Ice Bucket Challenge? The Ice Bucket Challenge. Uh, I'm glad we're not doing an Ice Bucket Challenge today, okay? There's lots of ice, uh, no need for an Ice Bucket Challenge. Uh, and then, this is still a mystery. We still don't know exactly why uh, Flight uh, 370 was lost uh, back in 2014. Uh, and then in 2015, something really eventful happened. Uh, countries and presidents and people all over the world were arguing about this dress, okay? Some of you think it's still blue. Uh, it's obviously gold. Uh, but in 2015, that was, uh, that was the eventful uh, thing that kind of took us by storm. In 2016, of course, uh, we voted for Donald Trump to be our president. And in 2017, uh, we had a solar eclipse uh, across all of the uh, different Americas. And then in 2018, uh, we rejoiced while the soccer team uh, was rescued from that cave in Thailand. I don't know if you followed that. Uh, man, I followed that very closely, and it was amazing to see that rescue take place. 
And then this year in 2019, I was trying to search like what were the most eventful things. Uh, there were more protests on the planet than ever before. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, Venezuela, uh, all over the country uh, were protests and, uh, and, and the world. And then there were more wildfires in 2019 than ever before on our planet. Um, of course, down in the Amazon as well as here in California. And so uh, that's just kind of a, a look at, at what has happened the last 10 years, the last decade. And as we close it out, I thought I was praying the last few weeks and even the last couple months. I said, Lord, where do you want us to go? Because I'm not currently in a series. We finished our Christmas Miracle series. We're going to be starting a brand new series uh, on the 12th of January. I'm looking forward to next week. Pastor Joe will be speaking and uh, looking forward to hearing him. But um, I thought, how, how, are we gonna, how are we gonna claim uh, the promises of God and in, in, in this year? And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 37. Psalm 37. One of my favorite, most influential passages that I've ever read and studied is this passage. And we're gonna stay pretty much in this passage, uh, Psalm 37. But I want to tell you a little bit about it, uh, just in way of context. Uh, first of all, uh, King David, a king of Israel, uh, is writing uh, this, uh, this passage. Of course, we know it's through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's writing it as a song, and it's, it was, it was a, a poem that he wrote, and then he turned it into music. Uh, David was extremely musical. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, because this particular psalm, and there's, there's about nine others like it, it is an acrostic. So it not only uh, would it rhyme in the Hebrew language, uh, and not only would it be very um, symmetrical enough for, for, for it to be put to music, but, but it would also serve as an acrostic, almost like uh, the beginning word of each of the new verses would spell something. We'll talk about what it spells at the end. But this passage, this chapter, really gives us a template for trusting God. So I want to talk about a perspective that maybe we aren't following, or maybe you are, but, but regardless, a, a reminder of a perspective that is empowered. You see, I could have a, 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 a perspective that might be, uh, you know, uh, growing. How many of you want a growing perspective in the new year? I certainly do. I can have a perspective maybe that's positive, and you could have a positive perspective. But I'm not here to give you, uh, you know, three ways to have a positive perspective or, or five ways to have a growing perspective because all of those things will fade. The one thing that will not fade from your heart and your life is an empowered perspective. Now, the reason why I use the word empowered, and that word is not in this particular chapter, but is because through the grace of God, we, are, we receive a divine enablement, an empowerment that is, that is outside ourselves. And I'm going to talk a lot about this today because if we are trying to derive strength from anything other than God's grace, we will be left empty. We will be left wanting. But if we are empowered and if we see life through the grace of God, which we'll talk about how to do today, we will start to understand that God has a better plan. And if we trust it, 
it will allow us, it will enable us to do things we never thought we could do. To conquer things we never thought we could conquer. To overcome things we never thought we could overcome. Now, I, I, I don't want to hide this outline from you because I want you to remember it. And, and, and I think the text will, will start to kind of come alive when we, when we go through it briefly today. But I want you to understand, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to see four words, and this is four ways to close out this decade. I think this is four ways to start it. If I had one thing to tell all of you, it would want to be these four words, and they're straight from this text. We'll see these four words today. First is the word trust. We're going to talk about trusting God's process today. Then we're going to talk about delight. Delighting in God's plan and understanding uh, from a divine perspective what God wants us to do. Now I'm going to talk about the word rest. Uh, our culture is in, so, uh, is, is in so much need of rest. And then I'm going to talk about uh, the key word in the passage to all three of these, and that is repeat. So can you say these three words, uh, these four words with me? Ready? Begin. Trust, delight, rest, repeat. Let's say it again. Trust, delight, rest, repeat. Most of the Psalms, you'll find this pattern where he says, trust the Lord, where he, where he talks about delighting in the Lord, where he talks about resting. In fact, there's a word in Psalms that's used a lot. It's called selah, means to rest. And, and then it, we'll see in this passage how David was telling these, the, 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 the writers that would, re, the readers who would read this writing He's telling them through this, almost every line, repeat, continue, continue. Keep doing, keep trusting, keep delighting, keep resting. So let's see the first, uh, the first part of this, and that is, number one, to trust God's process. To trust God's process. Now, um, the word, um, uh, in, 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 in this context, uh, the word trust has many different uh, kind of angles, but, but he's going he's gonna to first say what trust isn't. So he's going to paint a picture of how not to, to do it, okay? He's going to say, this isn't trusting God, okay? And let's look at that in verse number one, and it says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So this is him saying, this is what it looks like not to trust God. We'll talk about what that means. Let's keep reading. Verse number two. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. Can you say that with me? Trust in the Lord. Man, if there's one thing that you should just kind of mark down in your Bible, if there's one thing you should tell yourself, if there's one thing that your ears need to hear your mouth, that your heart needs to, needs to, 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 to be reminded of, it's that you need to trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now how many of you over Christmas, you were fed, okay? You were fed real well. In fact, you were fed too much. That was me. Um, well, let me tell you something. He, he's actually talking about physical, but also spiritual uh, filling. And, and so he's trying to paint a contrast, a picture between the filling that the Lord can bring and the fretting that our heart can bring. Now, let's look at the word fret, because this is what it means. The word fret is this word chara. It me, it's the Hebrew word chara. It means to, or kara. It means to burn or be kindled with anger. But it also means to be furious, to feel the need to compete. 
We've never been in a culture where we compete. We compete about everything. Now, I'm super competitive, okay? But, but when I see someone else doing something, I want to do it better, right? I, I, I want to I I be stronger. I want to be faster, right? We all have that inherently in us uh, to, to go forward. Um, but but what, what fretting leads to is growth with jealousy. And jealousy is saying to God, I do not trust what you've given me. I need more in order to do more. I, I need more things uh, like the other people have. I need more strength. And so I'm going to go find it. Instead of trusting you for it, I'm going to go get it on my own. So he says, fret not because of evildoers. Don't be angry because of what people have done. Uh, don't be jealous because of what people have or what you think you deserve. Now, there's a parallel to this in verse number 15, and I want you to see it. Verse number 15 says, Their sword shall enter into their own heart. You know, it's interesting when we start to try to pierce someone else, oftentimes that same tool we use to pierce them pierces our own heart and soul. Their bows that they were going to use to hurt someone else actually uh, were broken. They were hurt. They were the ones that were destroyed. A little, uh, but a little of the right that the righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. He said, listen, if you trust my plan, what I have, even if you think it's less than what you need or, or that you want, what I can give you will be far better than what you can take yourself. And so it's painting a picture of trust. It's painting a picture of trusting in the Lord. And specifically, he's going to paint the picture of trusting the process. Now, there's a few things in my house, and, and, and my boys, I love them dearly, and they have to put up with me, okay? Um, because you, you just have to put up with me for like, you know, half an hour on Sunday. But let me just tell you something. I love my boys too much not to kind of ingrain some things in them. And so if you walk up to my boys and you say uh, something like, work first, they'll say, play later. Okay, so that's something we say all the time. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to work first, play later. Okay, that's just like something that, that I've kind of, kind of burned into their heart and mind, okay, because I want them to put work before play. N something else that we've said a lot uh, is to trust the process and look for progress, okay? So that's something that, that is just, hey, 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 oh, trust the process, okay? Look for progress. Let's just focus on one step at a time. Let's not get overwhelmed, right? So, so that was one thing that I told them this week because we went sledding, and, and uh, honestly, they haven't been sledding a whole lot. We haven't, been a, we haven't had a whole lot of uh, snow, but this was actually at the property. We went to the property. There was lots of hills there, and I thought, man, this is going to be a great time, and and uh, it was snowing so hard, and it was so cold, and their gloves kept falling off, and, and, uh, and, 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 and I just got to the top of the hill, and, and I had already worn out that term, trust the process. They didn't care about that, you know, they didn't want to hear it, you know, and uh, they didn't want to look for any progress. We finally got to the top of the hill, and and, uh, and, and I was trying to get them on the sled, and we're kind of, you know, slipping and sliding around, and I finally got them sitting, and, 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 and Chandler looked at me, and he's like, Dad, I, I think I'm just gonna, I, I, I think I'm just gonna wait here. Chan, and Camden's like, yeah, I don't want to slide down by myself. Let's do it together. We had this big, long sled, and I said, as, as, as long as you're right here, okay, I'm anchored to this tree. As long as you're right here with me, you're not gonna move. And immediately when I said that, I thought of this verse, verse number 18. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, it's, it's actually verse number 37, I believe. 
Um, and I, I could be wrong twice. So let's, let's um, it's, it's verse number 31. 31. The law of his God is in his heart. So God has burned something in his heart like I have tried to kind of put some things on my boy's heart and mind, some of those phrases that are trying to be a help to them. And none of his steps shall slide. Now, how many of you know, if you walk out here past these cones that we have coned off, you're going to slide. You're going to slide and you're going to hurt yourself. Let me just tell you, God's put some cones up. It's called his law. And, and, and he said, as long as you're close to me, if you trust me enough to get close to me, none of your steps will slide. And I, and, and I, and I, and I saw myself on that hill uh, with, with my boys, trying to keep them close, trying to keep them from just sliding down that hill prematurely. And I, and I thought, man, as long as I get close to God, none of my steps will slide. But as long as I am, 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 am wanting to be off on my own, doing my own thing I will be left to my own strength my own results and see consistency and stability they really are possible when we trust the process of following God's principles God has some principles that he wants us to trust and so, and so what is he saying? He said, trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, verse number five gives us a, a, a little bit more definition to this trust. Verse number five says this, commit thy way unto, him, unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. So God can bring to pass what you can't bring to pass. God can work in your life and your heart more than you can work in your life and heart. He can, he can do things in you that you didn't think were possible. And, and I've talked a lot about this word commit. Um, but this word commit is, is, is a really interesting word. It's the word galal in, in Hebrew, but it, it means to roll away, okay? It's as if I was uh, rolling down a hill and you, your momentum starts to carry you. It's to begin the process. It's to seek the occasion. It's to take away from or to roll onto. And I've used it previously with taking a burden and rolling it on to God, and that definitely means this. But it's the momentum to where once you get to a certain point, you're at a point of no return. That's where God wants us to be. To say, God, I am so far out on a limb. If you don't help me, I'm going to fall. And let me just tell you something, that God wants us to be out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. God wants us to be far out, all the way. My momentum, God, is in your direction. And if you don't come through for me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the trust and faith that it takes to put your momentum in the right direction is following the instructions of God. And I know many of you might be in here saying, yeah, I want to trust God. But, but I, I, I don't in some areas. I don't trust God because I'm fearful. I, I don't trust God because I can't see what might happen. I don't trust God because I feel like God has let me down before. I don't trust God because of what uh, he's allowed. Or I, I, I don't. What do I do when I don't trust God? Let me just put it out there and say that there's always something in our heart and life that is battling against trusting God that is battling against allowing God to have full control. So welcome to the club of, of, of people who are just honest enough to say, there are some things in my life that I, have, that I struggle with uh, giving to God, that I struggle with trusting God with. 
What do you do? Well, Proverbs 28-26 gives us a little bit more definition. Before we read this, let me just say something. The Bible's really plain and simple in how it says things. But can I just state the obvious? Everyone trusts something. Everyone trusts something. You are trusting a chair. You are trusting the air you can breathe right now is, is, is not contaminated. You, 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 you put trust in people uh, through your bank you don't even know, and they know more about you than some other people know about you. You've never met them. We all trust. It's not a matter of if we're going to trust. We're going to trust something. It's going to be a matter of are we going to trust a God we can't see. That's the key. That's the key. So, so what the world says is trust your heart, but this is what God says. So, so the world says just trust what you feel. Trust what you see. And here's what God says. He that trusteth his own heart is a fool. Yikes. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Delivered from what? Delivered from being in bondage to your own feelings. Delivered from being in bondage to how culture says you should do things. Delivered to, to, to the mess we can make that I make of everything in my life. You see, uh, left to myself, my marriage has no chance. Left to myself, my, my, my boys are, are better off without me. I mean, left to myself, I mean, I, I can't do what God wants me to do. But God says, I don't want you to, uh, to be left uh, to yourself. I, I actually want you to, uh, to, to live a life that is empowered by my perspective of how to do things. I want you to see that the momentum of going in the right direction is, is following the instructions, but when we get outside the boundaries, when we get outside the, the, the life that God planned for us, when we don't trust God, uh, people get hurt. Uh, pe- things get damaged. Uh, marriages start to get fractures. Uh, relationships starts to, uh, to break down. Uh, I was reminded of this principle when uh, someone uh, told me a story about the Mythbusters. And the Mythbusters were trying to, to do some, uh, disprove some myth about a, a cannonball. And, and this is what happened. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but residents were stunned to find out that a cannonball came whizzing through their community. Here's what happened. The cannonball was fired from the bomb range at Camp Parks. It soared 700 yards into a house on Casada Place, bounced across a road, onto a roof and into a minivan on Springvale Drive. ABC 7's Alan Wong is live in Dublin with more on this. Alan, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It really is, Dan, and this is where that cannonball traveling at about a thousand feet per second shot out of the back of that wall of this home. You can see it where it left a hole in the bedroom wall, and this was just the first house it struck. So cannonballs at a bomb range, I, I'm guessing, are okay. But you take that cannonball, that velocity, that momentum, and you take it outside of the, the, the testing ground, outside of the, the brick walls. They were supposed to hit these massive uh, barriers with, filled with water, and they missed. They missed. And because they missed... Uh, someone up in Northern California has a, ha- has a hole through their front door and a hole out their back wall. And if you keep watching this, you can see someone who, has a brand new, who had a brand new minivan. Uh, it was 
filled with glass, and there was a massive uh, 10-inch cannonball in their front dash. So a lot of things that, that, that can go wrong by trusting yourself. You see, Mythbusters felt like they could handle it, but, but, but they couldn't. And let me just tell you that we're all prone to miss. And, and we can think that we're strong enough to, to, to grow. We think we're strong enough to handle our, our, our problem or our, our whatever we're trying to handle. But let me just tell you that God says, you got to trust me with this. And so here's the key thought from this, this point. A lot of people say, well, I, I want to trust God. I want to have a stronger faith, but I don't know how. And let me just tell you something, that strong faith is not found in greater ability. Strong faith is found in the vulnerability of completely trusting Christ. When you and I are vulnerable enough to say, we can't do it without you, God, that is where true strength and true faith is found. Being honest with yourself and others to say, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I just can't. I, 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 want to th- I want you to think I can, but I can't. Can I just be really honest with you? I have no strength of myself, okay, to, 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 to be your pastor. I, I can't. Absolutely no. There's no way I can be a husband to Danielle on my own. Absolutely no. And the, and, and the vulnerability of telling you that is countercultural because what, what we all want to project on social media and everyone around us, I'm strong enough. I'm, I'm quick enough. I'm fast enough. In fact, I'm faster than you, right? The reality is we might be faster for a minute, but something's going to slow us down. We might be strong enough for, 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 a, for a period of time, but there's going to be a moment of weakness. We all have to back up and say, wait a second. There's, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. I, I am weak without Christ, and I need to admit that, and in my vulnerability, I can find strength, not in who I am, but in who Christ is in me. Trust the process. And the process is not getting stronger through your ability. The process is releasing control to Jesus Christ. So you trust the process. You say, well, it, there's one problem with that. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. And if we're honest enough, that's the reason we don't really grow, is we don't want to. I want to grow, I want to grow. Up here you want to grow. (laughs) But right here you just want to stay the same. Why? Because growth is painful. It's uncomfortable. I mean, it's not like, whoo, here we go, stretch me. You know, like, hey, I get to give up some things in 2020. You know, it's like, yeah, let's go. No, 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 that's okay. Admitting that you don't want to brings us to point number two, and that is we need to delight in God's plan. Delight in God's. So, we, man, we're trusting God's process. Uh, but, but then you're like, man, I don't want to. And, and David addresses that. He didn't want to either, so he was reminding himself through, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Number two, he's trusting God's plan. Look at verse number four. It says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He said, listen, you, you got to delight in the Lord. Now, what, is this, what does this look like? Look at verse number 9 through 11. He says, evildoers shall be cut off. Now, notice the words cut off in direct comparison to the word give. I'm going to make a comparison there, so just remember that. 
But those that wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek, those that are humble enough to admit where they're at, those that bring the, the, the things that they could do in submission to what God wants them to do, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of what? Peace. You know, there's a missing peace in our culture. And we're missing peace. We're missing the rest. We're missing the, 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 the renewal that Christ can bring because we're delighting in all the wrong things. And so he says here, Delight. Now the word delight means to be soft, uh, delicate, uh, tender, pliable, uh, to enjoy or to value. Now uh, a lot of people misinterpret some things in scripture. And when the scripture talks about things that are delicate, when the scripture talks about things, uh, even in the New Testament, it talks about a weaker vessel. It's not talking about something of less value. If I put a, a, a plastic water bottle up here uh, and, and a glass goblet, I mean, which one would have more value? Okay, you say, well, depends on how elaborate the plastic water bottle is. Just go with me, okay? Uh, the, the, the goblet would be more delicate, but it has greater value. Now, let me tell you something. When, when we talk about being pliable, when we talk about valuing, we can't just say we value. Because value is not something that is, can just be stated. I can say I'm a millionaire, but it wouldn't be true. Does that make sense? So I can state value all I want. Value is shown. Value is shown through actions, through substance. And so when it says, delight thyself uh, in the Lord, it's, it's saying that there's a plan that you need to wrap yourself around, that you need to bring yourself into submission to, and then it'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, when I was a teenager, I thought that this was a verse that I could claim whatever I wanted, and as long as I, you know, was delighting in God, I'd get it. Well, then I started realizing that the word give has a different meaning. The word give means to set it's actually the word Nathan, where, where, where it's a Hebrew name, but it's the word Nathan, and, and it means to set, it means to add, it means to bring into, to instill, to replace, or I love this, to plant. So now if you reread that verse and you say that, that if you delight also in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart, meaning he's going to replace the desires you have with the desires you need. He is going to plant the desires in you that he wants to grow. Now, you can do one or two things. You can kill that plant by saying, no, I don't want that. I want this. Or you can say, I'm going to grow in me what God knows I need, not necessarily what I want. Now, now, now children don't know what they need. That is why the, the, the Bible tells us what we need because we, we, left to ourselves, man, man we, can't, we can't place in ourselves what we need. Only God can. And so an empowered perspective says, I don't know what I need. My creator knows better, so I'm going to allow him to replace in me, uh, to do a spiritual surgery, if you will. Now, the great thing about the last 10 years, I, I told you earlier, 
is that there were some incredible advancements in medicine and technology. And one of the things that got really, really good in the operating room was the the microscopic cameras and instruments that they used uh, to go through veins and to do these surgeries. And now they don't have to open you up like they used to for many surgeries. They can actually go in one little pin-sized hole. Uh, For instance, in order to, to access the heart, you know they go in through the leg? They go in through the leg. You say, yeah, I had heart surgery this week. Why are you walking? Oh, I just hurt right here. There's a little band-aid. You got heart surgery and you got a band-aid on your leg? I mean, this is a beautiful thing. Can I just tell you something? The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any, any two-edged sword, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. You know the Bible can do spiritual surgery. It can cut out what, what needs to be gone, and it can replace, put in what needs to be there. And if we wake up every morning in 2020 and say this, God, I can't do it. I trust you. God, please replace the desires I have that are contrary to what you say, and please put in me the desires I need to have. It would be a life-changing year for all of us this next year. So he says, he says delight in the Lord. And then, then look at verse number six. <laughs> so, so verse number six says, um, he, he's talking about, you know, delighting in the Lord. Um, and and, and he, he's talking about, uh, you know, uh, trusting in the Lord. And, th- and then he says this. He says in verse number six. He says, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and the judgment as the noonday. You say, whoa. Wait a second. How am I going to trust God? How am I going to be good? How am I going to have these desires? Listen, he's going to bring it to pass. You know, the wonderful thing about Jesus dying on the cross is you didn't have to, and you still don't have to. If Jesus did it, it's enough. And listen, his righteousness is enough in you. That's why my life verse is that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, it's in the righteousness of Jesus that I can be good, that I can be a good father, a good uh, husband, a, a good pastor. And so it's his righteousness on me. And then it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Let's say that together. We're from L.A. County. Let's say that together. Wait patiently. Was that that painful? I mean, there's like grimacing faces, you know? Wait patiently. <laughs> I just love it. I want to do it one more time. Wait patiently. It's like, man, the holidays, so many p- impatient people. Just like, what is going on? God wants us to wait. The word, the word wait is, is, is a really, really interesting word, but, but it means, I, I love this, if you guys could put it up, you chill. <laughs> that's, that's the Hebrew word. So every time you see the word wait in, in the Old Testament, which is Hebrew, New Testament's Greek, it, it's you chill, okay? So God's just telling you, you need to chill, okay? So, so, so that's the actual Hebrew word. You can look it up and have some fun with that later, but it means to eagerly await, to labor with purpose, to have strong hope, to expectantly and joyfully invest. You know, we often think that waiting is wasting. We often mistake waiting time for wasting time because we don't realize that God always has a purpose for our waiting. God always has a next step that he wants us to take. And let me just tell you something. Some of you have been waiting a long time for something. 
Some of you are in a, in a, in a period of time where, where you're waiting, and let me just encourage you to wait joyfully. To, to delight in the Lord, even when it seems to be an uncomfortable season, even when it seems to be a season of waiting, wait on the Lord. You see, uh, the Lord knows the timing. The Lord knows what you need. And if we delight in Him, if we enjoy Him, even in the trials, even in the valleys, even in the rain, even in the storms, uh, this is what verse 18 says. He says that the Lord knoweth the day, the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. You see, God can satisfy you in a time of famine like no one else can satisfy you. He can satisfy you from the inside out and God wants you to understand that he has your best interest in mind if you will invest in him, if you will wait on him. Verse 34 says this, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee uh, to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Three times it says cut off, and it's all tying back to the word give. As a surgeon can cut something good out, a surgeon can also cut something bad out. The surgeon knows what's best. The surgeon knows what to leave and what to keep, what to hold back and what to give. And if we'll trust him and delight in him, everything will come in due season. You say, I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of this season. Well, what do I do? I, I want to trust, but I don't. And I want to delight, but I can't because it's, it's difficult. That's number three, and that is this. Rest in God's power. Rest in God's power. We trust, we delight, we rest. We trust in God's process. We delight in God's plan. And then in this next year, we are going to rest in God's power. I want you to see this, verse number seven. Verse number seven. Actually, let's, let's start in verse number six. You'll start to see this. He says, verse number six, He shall bring forth thy righteousness. He's going to bring it. You, you just, you chill. He's bringing it. He's bringing the light. He's bringing the illumination. He's bringing uh, the, what you need. So rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way. How many of you have seen some people who did some pretty bad things and they're the ones seemingly blessed? It, it can start to bother you because of the man who bringeth the wicked devices to pass. I mean, there's some, there's some really wicked people and it can start to make you pretty angry, but then you, read, you have to read verse 8. All of you who have anger problems, please memorize this. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Listen, it's going to trip you up. Anger, anger is, is, is a, a pretense that leads you down a wrong path. A anger thinks that you, by spinning your wheels and breathing fire and, 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 and letting the smoke uh, start to come from your ears, that it'll actually bring progress. And God says, no, 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 just wait on me. Rest in me. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. For evildoers shall be cut off. There it is again. But those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. 
Rest in God's power. Now, what's the word rest mean? The word rest, and I'm going to ask Ricardo to help me set up to, to illustrate this. It, it, it's the word daman, and, and it means to be, uh, to grow uh, silent or still, uh, to ceasing from all noise or, or, or motion, to be a, a quieted or a relaxed soul, to stay still and to wait in silence. I'm going to ask Isaac to come on up here. Uh, he, he's, he's the strongest guy I know uh, in the room. Now, if you're stronger than him, uh, we're not comparing or competing, okay? Uh, I just uh, want to use him, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, this, this works, okay? So um, Isaac's pretty strong. I, I, I'm pretty sure these 25-pounders, he could pick them up and, and curl um, pr- pretty, pretty easily. Do, do one curl for me, okay, at it together, okay? So, uh, so, so there you go. You know, he, th- these, are, these are a piece of cake. Um, but a lot of times, uh, life doesn't make it easy for you. How many of you have noticed that? And, and a lot of times, we're, we're left hanging. We're, we're left in a situation that creates pressure, that creates stress. And so hold these out in front of you. I mean, that, that's not going to last for very long. Now, I mean, you can put them down, okay? <laughs> not going to last very long, okay? So, so, so now put those down, okay? But, but how many of you know he could last a lot longer with these, okay? <laughs> so, so he could hold those out. Step up here. He, he could hold these out for, for a lot longer, Okay, in fact, he could probably even do them side, side to side. I mean, that's, you know, go down and back up. I mean, he could, he could really, we could give him a really, really good workout today. Okay, that's not why we're here, but we could. Okay, but, but how many of you know the weight doesn't stay the same? And, and there's times of pressure, and there's times of difficulty. And, and, and you might be able to hold on for a while, but, but you're not going to be at ease relaxed. You're, you're not going to be able to rest. So the tension between where you are and where you need to be, I want to explore that for a second. Because he's feeling some tension right about here right now. And, and that tension, you can either run from it. You can throw these weights and you can say, forget this. I'm out. By the way, all of you had that choice. But there's another choice presented in the scriptures today. And it's a choice of resting in the Lord. And I don't care how much weight, whether it's three pounds or whether it's 25 pounds, whether whether you say, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you only knew the burden on me, if you only knew the burden on me, let me just tell you, regardless of your burden, you were never meant to carry this burden alone. And if you will, if you'll say, man, I want to trust God, hold, hold these out. This is what it means to rest in him. He can take on him what you were never meant to carry. He's holding it, but he can hold it a lot longer because I'm under him. Do you understand? You can put these down. Wow, those are heavy. <laughs> Maybe I should have used something else. Now, now, let me just say something. You put these down. Let me just say something. Shoulders are on fire. <laughs> There's a burden on every person in this room. Uh, from, from the youngest in this room, fifth, sixth grade, to the oldest in this room. We're not going to guess ages here, okay? So who's, who's the oldest? It doesn't matter. But I'll tell you something. There's all, all burdens. It is not my job 
or your job to carry your burdens. Our job is, is to place our burdens on someone who was meant to carry it. In fact, someone who sent his son to carry the ultimate burden, the burden of our sin. And the ultimate trust in God is trusting your creator with your sin problem. And the burden of forgiveness is the greatest burden of all. But let me tell you, after salvation, after you receive the forgiveness of God for your sins, after you have a home in heaven, let me tell you, there are still burdens. Following Jesus is not just this butterflies and rainbows and let's just skip through the passage of of dandelions. No, there's some things that are actually difficult. There's some things that require a quiet, still soul. There's some things that you cannot solve through motion. In fact, there's some things that you need to cease all noise and motion to receive. There's some things that need to be relaxed in order to be carried. And so he says, rest in the Lord. Thank you so much, Isaac. Rest in the Lord. And and I want you to notice uh, uh, verse number 17. Because I just thought of this. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken. God says, you, you look at the wicked. They're trying to carry stuff, and all it has gotten them is a broken arm. It, their arms can't carry the load. Their, their arms are broken. You say, well, man, you know, listen, listen. Religion is a crutch. And I have people who tell me that all the time, and I always get this internal smile. Like, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. In fact, I think we have a chart back there, guys. Here, here, let's go down that road for, for, for just 60 seconds. Yeah, religion is a crutch. So, so let's say that's the premise, that, that religion is a crutch, that, that it's something you lean on. Well, listen, everyone leans on something. And so not only is religion a crutch that, to, to lean on, it's, it's something that you can lean on that you can actually support your weight. But, but what, the, what, the, what the secularist says what the secularist, what the atheist says is, no, I, I believe that, that, that I can have my own strength. That, I, that I'm strong enough to, I don't need a crutch. I don't need something to learn, lean on. Christianity is a crutch uh, on which the weak people uh, lean for false sense of strength. But, but the reality is secularism without God is a system of belief built on the pretense of strength that doesn't exist. You know, we don't have strength without God. We don't have strength. We don't have strength morally as a culture. We don't have strength personally. And so the choice is to trust the strength of a creator that you can't see or trust the weakness of a creation that you can. And so we're going to have to make a choice. Are we going to rest in God or are we going to rest in ourselves? And so here's the key thought from this point. And then I'll give you the, the, the conclusion. We're finished. In life, it is not the load you are carrying that matters the most. It is how you are carrying your load that matters the most. We all carry loads. But let me just tell you something. You were never meant to to feel the pressure of the load you're carrying. You were meant to rest in the Lord. Now, now how how in the world can we practically do this? Well, uh, starting on on the 5th, okay, next Sunday, um, I'm going to encourage you for 21 days to, to, to fast something, to give something up. And I'll give you a little card next Sunday that will tell you exactly how to do this. But we're going to give up something for, for whatever, whatever it is, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, giving up carbs, what, what are you, whatever you're giving up. Some, some people will do a juice fast, whatever. 21 days, we're going to fast. 
So we're going to say there's something more important than what we would normally consume. But we're not just going to fast for fasting's sake, just so we can tell people, oh, I'm fasting, you know, look at me. You know, that's not, that's what the Pharisees did. No, no, we're going to fast on purpose. And last year, I, I had you read the Bible out loud, and, 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 and it was a benefit. But I, I want to give you a little bit more structure this year, because I, I really want you to learn how to rest in God. I, I've been doing this the last 20 days, and it's been really, really helpful and encouraging to me in my personal time. Okay? So for 21 days, I'm going to ask you to spend 21 minutes investing in your soul. I believe it'll, it, it'll pay dividends. But I, I'd like our church to spend seven of those minutes in complete silence. Now that was about seven seconds, and it was pretty awkward. Okay, Seven minutes is a lot more difficult than you think. Why? Because we, we rarely sit in silence. This isn't, this isn't with your noise-counseling headphones pumping something in your ears. You say nothing. Phone on silent. Emails on silent. No, no social media, no, nothing, no one around. Just you for seven minutes in silence, preparing your heart to speak to God and to be spoken by God. Then the next seven minutes, I would encourage you to pray. Seven minutes of silence, seven minutes of supplication. Silence, supplication. Uh, I've used this across before, but acts is confession, adoration, thanksgiving, and supplication. Just confessing to God, thanking God, praying to God, asking God, bearing your heart to God. And then seven minutes of, of saturating your soul in the scriptures. Seven minutes of silence, seven minutes of prayer, seven minutes of Bible. Now, now you say, oh, seven minutes, oh, I spend 70 minutes. That's great, but are you, are you getting anything out of it? Because if our hearts aren't prepared, God, we can't hear God. And if we're not ready to do something, it doesn't matter how long we read, if we're not willing to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to talk to you on the 12th of January and how we're going to take the, the scripture that we're saturating our souls with and, and apply it. And we have a men's uh, Bible study through the first 90 days and, and, and we have some Bible meditation groups that we're going to be doing and talking about and, and, and the small groups are going to be going through Philippians and there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of saturation of scripture but no matter how much saturation we have to live it out and this is what this passage is saying. Uh, in conclusion, number four, we have to repeat God's pattern. Because I can talk to you all day about trusting and delighting and resting. But, but do you know what this passage points to the, mo the most? It points to repeating. You see, uh, there's a verb stem that's used every, every new line, every verb, every time the sentence begins with a verb. So fret not or trust or rest or delight, all of these verbs they're all in the exact same tense. They're all in the exact same mood. They're all in the exact same um, voice. And, and they use the, 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 the voice and the type of a verb. Uh, all three are commands that are imperative. Do this. All three of, of these, rest, trust, delight, they're, they're all three personal. You need to do this. But they're all three continual. You need to keep doing this. You need to keep doing this. So, so, so how can we keep doing this? What's a way that we can continue this all throughout, not just the first 21 days, but all 366 days of 2020? It's a leap year. You get an extra day. How can we do this? Well, this is the only way I know how. Because your perspective is faulty. The way you view life has completely failed. The way you see people 
You can't be impartial. You're so biased. I'm so biased. I'm so judgmental. You're so judgmental. We're all hypocrites. You kidding me? We, we all have stuff that, that doesn't mesh, right? So here's, here's, here's the quote in your notes, and here's, here's the really the key thought from this point. We must view every circumstance, everything in our life, through the lens of the cross. If I look at you through my lens, you don't want that. I'm going to be comparing myself to you. I'm going to be criticizing you. If I, if I look at you through the lens of the cross, I don't see you. I see someone who Jesus died for. I, I see a blood-bought, redeemed saint of God. I, I see someone who God sent his son to love just as much as me. I, I don't see your faults and your failures. I don't see what you did in 2019. I see what you can do through Jesus Christ. See, see, when I look through every circumstance through the lens of the cross, I look at my pain with glory. I, I, I look at my shame uh, with the context that Jesus paid for. it. I, I look at everything through my life, my failures, my disappointments. I look at everything and I say, wow, God can redeem this. I look at my marriage and everything I want it to be, and I say, God can do that. I look at my, my kids and I say, what am I doing wrong? You know, and I, I say, wait a second, wait a second. God can work in them even when they're not listening to me, even when it looks like things are, are lost. I look at it through the lens of the cross. And the cross defines me, not culture, not my heart, not what my feelings say. The cross defines me. It's looking at everything through the lens of the cross. And this is what he's saying in verse number 39 and 40. We'll end with this. He says, but the salvation of the righteous is the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them and shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him and every verb saying I don't want you just to trust one time it's continual I want you to trust I want you to delight I want you to rest and then I want you to repeat the process all over again guys put those four words up there let's say them together uh, never stop trusting in God's process resting in his power and delighting in his plan let's say that together never stop trusting in God's process resting in his power and delighting in his plan guys put the four the actual four words that's the takeaway if you want to write it down but 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 the four the four words from the very beginning i want to say these together because i want to ingrain them into our hearts and our lives ready begin trust delight rest repeat let's say it together trust delight rest repeat man i hope you get some time to rest this week but don't just rest physically rest spiritually Rest your soul at the foot of the cross. Trust in him. Delight in him. Friend, enjoy him. Can I tell you something? That when a relationship with God is your passion, where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do will be your preference. He will want to do it. You know what's a beautiful thing? Is, is not having to do it. Oh, it's my duty. Wanting to do it. That's where we want to go in 2020. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church 
or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle 5 New Life. Have an amazing day.